Welcome to the Happy Dog, Happy Human podcast, where we explore the intersection between human mental health and our relationships with dogs. This is Sharon. And I'm Angela. In season two, we're exploring social and cultural phenomena that impact our well being so we can reduce stigma and challenge the status quo while also learning better ways to care for ourselves and our dogs throughout the journey. We hope you love it. Hello, everybody. This is Angela. Hey, Angela. This is Sharon. And on today's episode, we are going to talk about perfectionism with dogs. We're going to explore how the good versus bad behavior binary contributes to our perceptions of what an ideal dog should be. And then later in the episode, we're going to talk about how dogs are anti-perfectionists and we can learn a lot from them about recovering from perfectionism. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So we are going to start with some breaths, but we had talked about um, changing the care tip that we do at the beginning of the episode so that we can receive more care from it. And so we're not going to guide um, everybody through an exercise, but we are all going to take some breaths together. So we invite you to join us if you feel comfortable to do that, or if you'd like to do that. And then after we take a few deep breaths, then we will get started with this conversation. How's that sound? And I do want to add before uh, we start doing our deep breaths that we will have one care tip per episode at the end of the episode now. So stay tuned for that. Um, We've just changed it from two to one. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We're trying to um, support ourselves in feeling more relaxed and grounded throughout the episode, but we also want to provide good care tips for you all um, with just a little bit more ease in the process. Oh, and one more thing. We did also change up uh, our updates. They will be going at the end of the episode. So updates about our businesses, the Human Canine Collaborative and Cloud Doodles will go at the end of every every episode. So make sure to stay tuned so you can hear what those are as well. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for plugging that, Angela. All right. Would you like to take some breaths with me? Absolutely. Cool. I will see you in a few minutes. Maybe not that long. I don't know. hello hello how was that that actually well I was gonna say it was interesting because it it, uh I actually have been doing some new types of breathing exercises so it gave me a chance to practice it um because I have I forgot the name of it but there is something wrong with my shoulder and the osteopath that I am seeing taught me um, how to do more of a physical therapy breath, which you inhale through your um, like rib cage more, so more up instead of belly breaths, and then you exhale with your mouth. And I basically my shoulder is not like in its place, mm. and so if I do that with good posture and sort of um, zipping up my shoulder blades, it actually really helps with the pain, and it's meditative. So, That's awesome. <laughs> so that was. It was interesting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this since I'm going to try this one out since this is good for my shoulder also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I'm so glad you had an opportunity to try that. How was it for you? It was really nice. I just felt myself settle into my chair and yeah, now I feel like more grounded. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. Like you know how to do this. I do. Because you do. <laughs> It's a good reminder. <laughs> yeah, 12 episodes in. I mean, I think I think we know how to do this now. I would hope so. Not that there's a right way to do it, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a good reminder flow. too. <laughs> in the air, Angela and Sharon flow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, perfectionism with dogs. 
So we talked in the last episode on perfectionism with humans about how there's this very um, like binary or black and white thinking with perfectionism. And I definitely see that emerge in how uh, I learned to train dogs Mm. and in how I think as humans, we think about dogs or perceive dogs in terms of how Um, we think about like their behavior and if there's behaviors that we like, we think about those as good behaviors. And if there's behaviors that are, um, that we don't like, or that are interfering with our ability to do something with our dogs in some way, we tend to label that as a bad behavior. And then with, um, a lot of dog training practices, especially historically, I think now there's more of a movement to go beyond good versus bad behavior and to recognize that all behavior is information about the dog's needs and feelings. Um, But with the older style of dog training, it was very much reward versus punishment. So rewarding the behaviors that you like and punishing the behaviors that you don't like. So I'm well, wondering, but yeah, oh, how is that? no, no, go ahead. I, w- I just wanted to to jump on that train about the good versus bad because it just made me think about like just that old adage that we say "good boy," right, to dogs. Yeah. Like that comes that comes specifically from dogs, mm-hmm. uh, from like the '50s or whatever, where you say "bad boy" or "good boy." Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point that like we are, even what we say to dogs represents how we're thinking about them. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Angela, do you, um, I have the perspective of, of a dog professional and a dog parent, but you also have a perspective as a dog parent. And I'm wondering how this has shown up in your relationship with Duchess. Oh, wow. You know, that's, it's, interesting that I was just thinking actually from your own point of view because you've been doing the dog profession in that world for a long time that you really understand dog behaviors and have for 16 years so I think I was quite the opposite um I didn't understand the nuance of uh dog personality and behavior until I had Duchess Mm -hmm. um Princess my former childhood dog was a quote-unquote good dog Uh, we really had very little, I mean, honestly, no behavioral issues with her. So it wasn't something that, you know, I really, I just saw her as like a good dog, if that makes sense, or something that I had really thought about. Mm -hmm. So when it came to Duchess, when I got her, I was really excited about the idea of her being a therapy dog. Mm. And that also comes from this way that we, I think as a society tend to see dogs, which they're, which is especially the little ones that they're, uh, you know, sweet, cuddly, cute. Um, I don't know if you have other things you want to add to that, like what a good dog is. Yeah. Friendly, definitely. Friendly, social. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Likes being petted. Yeah. Likes hugs and pets and yeah, correct. It, It likes to be around people including strangers um quiet right like quiet sleeps when we have other things to do absolutely regimented Mm -hmm. you know those are all our I think societal ideas of good dogs and so I wasn't aware that every dog can't just be a therapy dog (laughs) and so when I got Duchess she was eight weeks old and she was in the puppy phase which you don't see too much of their personalities at that point I mean the really baby phase right um and as things sort of moved on um I would take her to work with me anyway because that was my idea of having a dog was that it would be the sweet cute cuddly therapy dog that I could take to work with me sure yeah and there she is. <laughs> <laughs> and she did not turn out to be that. Mm. And that really challenged my own perfectionism mm. um, and how I wanted to be viewed because she was an extension of me. And so I'll give examples of how what her behavior turned into. And it turns out that she 
has some anxiety and reactivity as a result of anxiety. And actually she's quite, I don't like the word antisocial, but she's quite introverted. She's actually very introverted and she doesn't necessarily want to be around people. Mm -hmm. I didn't know dogs that that was possible. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you said that she, if she feels like an extension of you and so her behavior impacted, was it like how you feel about yourself? Do you think? Well, I think what would happen is, and I mean, we do kind of have dogs be extension of their humans. Um, you know, when, I mean, I think everybody has probably judged somebody whose dog was barking and pulling at the leash in the park, for example, trying to go after the squirrel, like we've all done it. Oh, that person must be a quote unquote bad owner. So we're going back to the good and bad. Right. Mm -hmm. And a good owner wouldn't let their dog out of control. Mm -hmm. And so whenever Duchess had reactive behaviors or, or behaviors that were undesirable for me, um, such as, I mean, barking at every wheel, like that was a real problem for us and bicycles, cars, uh, wheelchairs. I mean, like talk about how embarrassing that was for me that she's barking at someone in a wheelchair yeah. and they're thinking she's cute and cuddly. So oh, wow. let's go. Right. Right. I mean, that was, that was intense for me. And then as, as an extension of one, I'm a social worker and I'm trying to have this dog that like goes with that. Yeah. And she wasn't any of, she wasn't that picture of what I had of what a dog is supposed to be. And then it felt like almost like that meant that there was something wrong with me or that I had done something wrong. And honestly, sometimes I still feel guilty. I feel like I did something in her upbringing that made her anxious and yeah, I mean, she's eight years old and I still, it's like, sometimes that comes up for me, like truly. And that's such a, it's like a perfectionist thing that I, that, con that constant feeling of like, I did something wrong. I didn't do enough, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wow. Wow. That sounds really like overwhelming. And in terms of how it impacts your sense of self, it sounds really like disorienting and de like destabilizing in a way. It was, it definitely, definitely was. Um, and I will talk about this more after our break um, to sort of turn it into a positive. I did it and I wrote a blog post about this, how my dog actually helped me with my perfectionism and in learning about how Duchess or how dog personalities are so much more nuanced and behaviors are more nuanced and in teaching her ways to deal with her anxiety and reactivity um which meant not necessarily putting her in spaces learning her triggers like spaces that were triggering for her uh things like that like that helped challenge the black and white thinking around um around my ideas of her, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you, as you got to know her, you recognized what situations um, were overwhelming for her and what her preferences were, and also like how to help her be her best. And that meant doing things a little differently or changing your expectations. Um, but yeah, but ultimately it was like recognizing this nuance and that there is, there are so many ways to care for a dog well, and there's not just one way. And, and also that like this judgment that you mentioned is so, it's so common, you know, to like see a dog behaving a certain way and then blame the owner, you know, that like they're not doing something or they're doing too much of something, right? Like spoiling the dog. There's a lot of judgment about like positive reinforcement training because it's like, oh, you're you're letting the dog get away with things. You're rewarding them too much or bribing them. And um, and then on the flip side, it's like, oh, you're not controlling the dog enough if they're reactive or barking excessively or something. 
Um, but there really is so much more that contributes to dog behavior than just the owner, mm. you know, and the owner's behavior. And there's so much that goes into or like contributes to the owner's life and their needs. And it's not it's not as simple as somebody um you know, just like doing something or raising the dog a certain way. It can't even be boiled down to that. I think there's so much more nuance. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate you sort of describing what's going on. I think for a lot of people also, um, especially who struggle with, with, you know, how to quote unquote train their dogs, um, like which way is the right way, but then also just how much we're impacted by by society's ideas of you know uh living with a dog um and uh yeah I mean I think it's I think also what you were saying about lowering expectations um is a really big one because I think part of the what happens with perfectionism societally or that we also of course internalize is that we set the bar really really high for ourselves and for people around us and for our dogs and it's not realistic Mm -hmm. right and what I was doing with Duchess was setting the bar very very high for her and by the way it was also at a time in my life where I was like full-on in my own perfectionism Mm. which is interesting and so I had the bar set really really high for how I wanted to be Mm-hmm. Um, and what like my personal goals were, and they were honestly unrealistic and they were largely based on, on, uh, like outside validation. Mm. Um, like what other people thought of you or like getting approval from other approval. people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's interesting because she did come into my life at this particular time. Um, and my expectations for her were completely unrealistic. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I can totally relate to that. When, um, with Muggins, like I, sometimes I say it as like when he was younger, when they were younger, but there are still times, you know, when they're having an off day or we're in a situation that like we weren't expecting to be in, you know, and, and Muggins is reactive. They have very big reactions to people and other dogs and they are loud, sometimes Mm -hmm. and um and yeah like just yesterday we went up uh to a lake near us where there's like a beach where dogs can swim and there was another dog there and muggins really wanted to play with them and that other dog was cool with that um but muggins was so excited that they were barking a lot and their bark was really loud. And it's like that kind of thing where you're like, oh my gosh, we, should we leave? Or are people looking at us? Uh, you know, <laughs> like, and like, um, but like dogs bark, you know, they do. And, and sometimes they bark louder than we expect or more than we wish. And, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Muggins is a bad dog or that we're bad dog guardians for that happening. You know, I think it just means that it's just happening in this situation and we can uh, judge ourselves for it or we can make the best of it and try to learn from it and understand like, why is Muggins barking this way? What do they need? Um, And how can I provide that for them? I really love, again, how you're framing all of that because it's so true. Barking, that is one of those undesirable behaviors, right? Of like what a quote unquote bad dog is, but all dogs bark. Like you cannot get rid of them barking. And last night, Duchess, well, so for everyone on the podcast, I'm remodeling my house. So I'm staying at my parents' house and my duchess knows this space but of course it's gonna take her like a week at least to kind of adjust to the new the sounds and everything that are going on everything's a little bit different here Mm -hmm. um even though she knows the house so she is barking more and last I think it was yesterday I was (laughs) trying to take a nap and I got really frustrated with her barking but I realized I was thinking to myself well she's signaling to me that there's some something someone coming and that's what's going on 
And, but then in that moment, I was wondering to myself, okay, how do I let her know that I have been signaled and I understand uh, what she's trying to tell me, but now I stop. <laughs> right. I'm trying to take a nap. <laughs> you know? I'm really impressed that you could have that thought while you're like tired and frustrated <laughs> that you're like, well, I was snapping you, at her. Tell? <laughs> oh like snapping your fingers like snapping my fingers yeah yeah, yeah. sorry snapping not like uh screaming snapping so right. I started because by the way I didn't add that my daughter was napping although oh, the funny wow. thing with her is the dog's bark doesn't bother her and I think it's because she the dog barked while I was pregnant and she was yeah she got used to it right so it never wakes her up shockingly oh, um but yeah, so I was like snapping my fingers because I can't say her name, right? Because my daughter's sleeping. So I'm like snapping my fingers like as loud as I can so she can hear me. Oh, wow. <laughs> but she came back, you know, maybe that is a way that I can say, okay, like, thank you. I heard you. Please come back now. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's totally a, a, a good idea to have like a, another way to communicate with her without words, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I don't think, to be honest, not to, to toot your horn, but I will toot your horn that I think, um, you know, I've thought through our conversations and just like the past, I think year and a year and a half now that we've been connecting so often, um, like it has helped me think differently and conceptualize things different. Well, not different, but just open my mind, I guess, to duchess's behavior and like how to how to deal with it and I was I think I have started saying okay well she is signaling and what what is it that's going on mm -hmm. and like instead of getting frustrated or mad at her mm -hmm. what is what is she trying to communicate and I think I'd also impartially I've had to learn that with having a toddler because it's not that different <laughs> <laughs> because trust me my kid makes some really weird sounds and I'm like I don't know what you want for me and I say to her use your language use your language but she's three sometimes yeah. she's not going to use her language right and so it's the nonverbal communication mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I think what I'm hearing is that you're recognizing that Duchess is communicating something to you and rather than just tell her to stop communicating, you want to let her know that you hear her and that her feelings about whatever she sees are valid. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I have a question for you. I heard you say that when you were at the lake yesterday, mm -hmm. that you felt like you needed to leave. I'm very curious about that emotion or that thought. Yeah. What, what was it, you know, was that driven by something perfectionisty also? Because that's a very strong to feel that way. Like I, I, you're in an outdoor space, right. And you're, mm -hmm. and you feel like you need to leave. Like that's intense. That's an intense feeling. Thank you for asking about that. I didn't even look at it that way. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, I think, um, I think it was coming from a place of like, like we're like in this public place, right? And there are social norms for how people and dogs are supposed to behave in public. And our dog was not behaving in that way and, and but also drawing a lot of attention. So it's like this being seen in my quote mistake, unquote, you know, or like failure even um, of like not being able to control my dog or help my dog behave appropriately. And, and I think also part of it was like feeling overwhelmed and like not being able to access the part of my brain for problem solving and being like, oh, how could I change this situation to help Muggins? Like, how could I help Muggins calm their body or how could I use this as a training opportunity? I think I just felt overwhelmed by it and then couldn't think. And so then my only, I limited my options, right? It was like black or white, stay or go. Yeah. Those were my only options. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it also just kicked up, like kickstarted your fight or flight response, which is, yeah. which is fascinating also because, you know, does perfectionism or those tendencies do that to us also? I mean, I would say, yes, it completely dysregulates us. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I don't, I don't know exactly what goes first, but you've got the thought, the emotion and the, and the, and the, the behavioral response, right? Like that's the classic cognitive behavioral therapy model, Yeah. but um, they all go together. Mm-hmm. And if there's perfectionism, well, shame and perfectionism go very hand in hand together. And then the response might be a fight or flight response. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you for explaining it that way. It makes me feel um, more compassionate toward myself to be like, oh, yeah, like my body was feeling scared. And so I'm not a bad dog guardian. You know, I just got scared in that situation. And and my feelings in that situation are a result of like a lot of experiences across my life and also these societal norms and expectations. And so it's like, there's no way that I was completely responsible for Muggins's. I mean, I am responsible for Muggins's behavior in public, but also like there are things that I can't control that impact Muggins yeah. and that impact me. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, there's not, that's what people don't. Well, the thing is if, if people live with a dog, they know, but if they don't, they don't know. Um, actually, we went to a dog beach the other day and I loved being there because it's free of judgment. Speaking of societal norms, sort of what you were, what you were describing, right? Like so much of your anxiety in that lake situation was also the societal, societal norms were the trigger, right? So that might also be the, the, what's going on with the, that triggered some perfectionist thought of like how I need to be. And then that triggers the emotion of shame and then you want to run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like at a dog, at these dog beaches, I feel like I can just relax because everybody's dog is being silly or doing something silly, right. Oh, <laughs> or making that. silly sounds. And so nobody minds, you know, and it, that's such a freeing thing. And that also goes into like, where can we break these societal norms? Like, why do we have to be so, judgmental (laughs) yeah why do we have to be so judgmental yeah yeah it's um it does a disservice to everybody yeah you know the critic you know again that's perfectionist driven right it's a perfectionist driven society with criticism uh you know criticism is the what do i want to call it it's the fuel Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So I feel like that dog beach story is a great segue into how dogs are anti-perfectionist. So does this feel like a good place to take a break? Absolutely. Okay, cool. We're going to take a quick ad break and then we will be back. We are so grateful to Benson's Pet Center for partnering with us on today's episode. Benson's Pet Center is a multi-generational, family-owned, and operated business with eight locations in the New York Capital Region. Benson's has the largest selection of pet food in the area. If they don't have what you're looking for, they'll even order it for you. You can bring your dog with you to pick out their favorite treats, and you can even give them a bath at the self-serve dog wash in three of their locations. Benson's has competitive pricing, even on subscription services, and I love knowing that my dollars are supporting a local business. The customer service at Benson's is consistently unparalleled, and the staff's extensive knowledge on pet nutrition is amazing. Can't make it out to the store? No problem. Order online before 3 p.m. on weekdays, and Benson's offers same-day delivery. And curbside pickup is available seven days a week. Benson's Pet Center where the motto is, we love your pets. Thank you, Bensons. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back everybody. So I am taking this course right now. I wanna share a quote from it um, because it's, um, I think it's a great opening for this next segment. So I'm taking this course right now called Money Magic with Des Davis, who is at The Rich Witch on Instagram. And it is a beautiful course about um, like money trauma and learning emotional freedom tapping to um, to help you like release this money trauma and reset your nervous system so that you can uh, make money and like do the things that you want to do professionally. And so we, this past week, we 
we're talking about uh, goal trauma. And somebody said this quote that I just love. It said, they said, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be the real you. I love that. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like dogs. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Total authenticity. Total authenticity. I think we have so much to learn from dogs um, about challenging our perfectionist tendencies. Um, and some even, I was thinking even about the societal norms that we were talking about before. And I think my favorite thing about dogs is that they just don't give a fluff. <laughs> <laughs> they don't give a fluff about what they look like. They don't give a, you know, that's another funny perfectionist tendency that we have as well, right? Like that we dress up our dogs. I mean, totally guilty. Come on. I have a dog accessory shop, but you know, <laughs> that's more about us, right? Projecting like that. You need to be groomed and look good and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Dogs don't give a fluff about what they look like. They don't give a fluff if they're barking mm -hmm. and other dogs are bothered or humans. Mm -hmm. If that's what they feel like doing, that's what they do. They do exactly what they feel like doing and um, express themselves exactly the way that they want to. And I think that's a beautiful way of being. Um, now, of course, you know, we do need to care about other people. Um, but I think we can definitely, you know, learn from, um, from that attitude as well and apply it, you know, again, we're not about extremes right now, but we want to find our middle path. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We want to like be able to, um, I think what I, really want to learn from dogs in this realm of anti-perfectionism is like really how to just listen to my instincts and listen to my body and like make decisions for what's best for me and not have it be clouded by like, what am I expected to do or what would be viewed as normal or acceptable, you know? I, yeah. And just to piggyback on that, like I, I think like learning, I mean, even things when I'm tired, like forcing myself to stay awake, for example, instead of taking a nap, like dogs, when they're tired, they go take a nap when they're mm -hmm. hungry, they go eat. Okay. That's not a good example because dogs will eat themselves to death, but, <laughs> but I think there's something there because like, we have these ideas about like a dog is supposed to eat at a certain time, like, like whatever, 9am and 5am. And then dogs, you hear people say like, oh, my dog's coming to me asking for food at 4.30 or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, they're probably hungry at 4.30 because like you're feeding them around the same time every day and their body gets trained to be hungry. So then the body is hungry and they're like, they don't care if it's not five o'clock. They're listening to their body because they're hungry. That's true, actually. And by the way, Duchess is not a good example of that because I never wanted her waking me up very early. Mm -hmm. So she actually gets her food and she eats it when she wants Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It's probably because kibble is not like the most exciting food. So she kind of like leaves it till she's, <laughs> <laughs> till she's really hungry. <laughs> like if that was a bowl of turkey, she would eat it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but, but, um, but yeah, just like listening to your body, I, what you were saying, you know, in so many different ways, but like they're just very attuned to themselves and they listen to their, their, they live based on their instincts. Right. Mostly. Yeah. Um, and they behave. Oh yeah. Behaviorally. Yeah. I feel, I feel like there's this belief in themselves that they have, right? Like if they hear a noise outside and it, and they feel scared by it, they're like, yeah, I need to tell people about this. <laughs> no, they're not like, Ooh, what will people think if I say I'm scared of this? <laughs> There's a confidence in that, I guess. Mm. Also. Yeah. And also like a, a camaraderie, right? Like they want us to, to join them or like, they want to tell us what's happening in their life, in their yeah. perspective, you know, or their reality. And so they're like, they're asking us to join them in those situations like look what's outside is that scary what's happening you know 
And they're not just like dealing with it by themselves because they think we're going to be upset <laughs> if they're scared. Yeah. You know? yeah, 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 absolutely. That's true. Also, Whereas, like humans hide, like we'll hide things that we're insecure about or that we like think people will judge us for. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. That's very true. And I think part of anti-perfectionism also is playfulness and dogs are very playful and they love to play. And it's also part of the don't give a fluff, right? Like (laughs) they, they don't, they don't care if they look silly. Um, They just want to have a good time. And I have some, we were talking about this dog beach that was just amazing. And I have some cute examples. Like we, I saw this big Samoyed, I think they're called. And he was those big white fluffy dogs. Yeah. He found a rock and was just howling, howling. And the rock became his best friend. It was huge also. And he was playing with it and howling and all the dogs and all the people were looking at him, but it really, it was like the, in castaway once, once his little coconut. (laughs) I forgot the name of Wilson. (laughs) Wilson. (laughs) He had found his Wilson. It was just, I loved it though. Nobody cared. And I, you know, what I loved in that situation too, is that I could see that the, the owner or the human got a little bit like, like, Oh, are people looking at me? But then even I looked at him and I smiled and like other, you know, dog owners, they all smile because we get it. Right. And, and then he was totally cool. Like he went back and lay down like, yeah, just let, let the family do its thing. You know, he's having a great time. So, um, Another one that I saw that was also a sort of a don't give a fluff, a very old dog with terrible hip dysplasia, which was sad. And and they looked really strange from their age. I think it was like a boxer or something. And he still wanted to go swimming. So they put the little life vest on, which looks super silly also, and was totally excited to get in the water, um, you know, despite the age and despite the issues that you could clearly see were painful, but in, enjoyed it so much, you know, and I loved seeing that, like, that's like anti-perfectionism right there. Like a very, you know, not necessarily the most beautiful looking pup, just, uh, doing its thing, you know, also. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And like not caring about, um, how the, how he looks with his support, you know, life vest on and just being like I want to experience this and also like this beautiful sounds like um support from his humans for like Mm -hmm. being able to participate in that activity yes absolutely so that's that was really beautiful and then man there's just so many funny ones there was a little Jack Russell that just kept bolting (laughs) (laughs) yeah that sounds about right (laughs) yeah right just bolting and uh But again, it's, you know, I love that. I think most of these humans have learned from their dogs because they all sort of laugh, right. Or, or think it's cute or sort of tell each other like, Oh, don't, it doesn't matter. You know, Duchess was like digging up some other dog's treats and I was totally embarrassed. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My dog is like under your chair, eating your dog's treats. (laughs) And they're like, no, it doesn't matter. It's some like chicken treat. She can have it. You know? So that, that sort of camaraderie that you're talking about, I think dogs like bring that out in people. And I just, I love, love, love um, people who live with dogs in general are just the most um, I don't know. They just feel like, like not judgmental and kind and, um, caring. And mm-hmm. I think, I, I mean, the common denominator there is the dog and mm-hmm. either that means the kind of person that wants to live with a dog, you know, has some sort of common denominator or the dog themselves. We learned from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that sentiment of, and perspective of like, what can we learn? from the dogs and I think Muggins um has taught me so much about anti-perfectionism in a lot of ways too um especially with their like hygiene care you know because we think about like dogs um can't care for their entire regimen of hygiene needs Mm -hmm. you know and so there's a lot that we have to do for them and um you know, and, and also I think sometimes we think like, oh, this is part of being a 
quote, good, unquote, dog owner, you know, it's like, I need, if I can trim my dog's nails or brush their teeth or give them a bath. Um, and if I don't, if I can't do those things, or if I'm not doing those things, then I'm a, not a good dog guardian. Um, but with muggins, I've had to find different ways to do those things. And so because muggins is so sensitive to touch, they're very particular about when they want their nails trimmed and which ones they want trimmed. Um, and very similar with like, they really don't like teeth brushing and, and stuff. And so we, I think like perfectionist me would have, or used to have this perception that like, okay, if it's time to trim the nails, then we have to get the nails trimmed in this session. And that's the only way to do it. Mm. Um, but that's not true. And Muggins, like Muggins loves nail trimming, but they don't say yes every single time to every single ask that I make in terms of, can I trim this nail or that nail? Some nail sessions, we won't trim any nails and other nail sessions we'll do one or two, or sometimes we'll do a whole paw. Um, but Muggins is very particular, you know, like they want their nails a certain length, it seems. And, um, and they want their nails trimmed at a certain time. And sometimes they want a, the right paw, but not the left paw. And so I've had to really let go of this perception of like, it has to be done today or a certain way or on my schedule and really lean into like Muggins having this different way of getting it done and also realizing that their hygiene is cared for mm. when I listen to them about those things. That's so um, fascinating also to recognize the way that we do things that we think things should be done is a perfectionist tendency. Uh, I didn't necessarily think about that until you were talking about the nail trimming. Um, cause you know, it's like you start from your thumb and you end at your pinky mm -hmm. and you do both sides and what you do it, whatever, once a week and on Sundays, you know, yeah. like those very <laughs> regimented perfectionistic tendencies. And it's not a bad thing, right? Like we need structure, mm -hmm. but sometimes those things can, can go overboard. And I think the big thing that I am learning from this story is that Muggins is saying, this is not a good time. Let's do it at a different time. And that that's okay. Also mm -hmm. for most things, I mean, of course, like emergency situations, it's, but the, we're not talking about that for most things. It can wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It can wait. It can wait. Mm -hmm. And there's always another way to do it. So if this way that you're trying isn't working, there's another way. And if another way doesn't work, there's a third way. Right, right. It doesn't have to be so rigid. Yeah. And how we do things. Mm -hmm. Love that. Mm -hmm. Love that too. Well, should we move into our care tip now? I think that's a good, good mm -hmm. place to end. Um, yeah. I think Sharon's going to be doing a walking meditation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Walking breaths. This, walking breath. um, I thought of this one with mm -hmm. our anti-perfectionist theme for this episode. Um, a client of mine, an OT client who has experienced, um, severe trauma, a lot of, uh, involuntary hospitalization style trauma. And so she has a really hard time sitting and doing deep breathing exercises. Um, and I've heard this from other people as well, that like, just like sitting and trying to control your breath, it almost triggers perfectionism. Um, or for this client, it would actually trigger a panic attack to do that. And so I was learning um, Leslie McDevitt's pattern games from her Control Unleashed program, which uses a lot of uh, patterned or structured movement with dogs to help them feel calm and stay focused. And so I was like, well, I wonder if I could combine movement with breath in a structured way, if that would help this client. And it did. We were able to do it and um, she did not get a panic attack. And so we do it all the time now. And so I would love to share it with you all so that you know there is a third or fourth or fifth way to breathe. And so there's definitely a way out there for you to do it. That's right for you. Sounds great. So, um, so this does require standing up and getting out of your seat. And I'm going to go across the room so you can see me. 
And so what we're gonna do, I'll sit first so you can see me. Um, we're going to start with an inhale and then as you exhale, just take four steps. And then we'll repeat that. Inhale and then take four steps as you exhale. <clears throat> so, so go ahead and get in your standing spot. And we're gonna start with an inhale through the nose and take four steps. One, two, three, four. And then inhale through the nose and take four steps. One, two, three, four. We'll do that two more times. Inhale through the nose and exhale. One, two, three, four. And one more time. Inhale through the nose and take four steps. One, two, three, four. And that's that. I made me yawn. That's good. Get the cortisol. It made you burp. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it makes you because you're moving your body, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like moving the stuff. Yeah, it's great. I love those walking. I mean, walking is such a powerful form of movement. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually used to get, you know what, speaking of perfectionism, I'm just going to say this really quick. I used to get very perfectionist thoughts in my head when I was walking or exercising a lot. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that I learned to deal with that was uh, counting while I walked, which isn't another form of, of meditation. Mm -hmm. um, but I really love this also because it's the same thing. It's just a different rhythm. Yeah. It's the same thing, like one, two, three, four, but this is even better. It's more, it's more, uh, what's the word? It's more like melodic, I guess, mm -hmm. which yeah. feels really good. So I'm going to try this next time I go for a walk with Duchess, which is tonight. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. So I think we want to end with our updates and we'll just keep them brief. Um, I'll start since I'm talking. Uh, <laughs> Cloud Doodles. Uh, what's going on with Cloud Doodles? Well, I did mention before that I, please check out our blog. Um, I did write a blog post about how Duchess um, helped me with my perfectionism. And if you prefer um, a reading format, it's up there at clouddoodles.com. Um, and also we are launching our spooky season line. Yes, I love spooky season. It's person my personal favorite. Um, so I'm really excited about this. We'll be doing uh, human stuff and also dog our usual dog accessories. Um, yeah, the other thing I want to also just say that September is um, Suicide Awareness, uh, sorry, Suicide Prevention Month, mm. um, which is an important month. Um, and uh, we will be uh, doing some content that, on that on Instagram. And I just want to make everyone aware of that. Um, you know, always check, uh, check in on your friends and family and loved ones. And um, it's a very... Uh, uh, it's a very real, real issue. So it's important to um, learn about it and to connect with each other as a way to uh, prevent it. Awesome. Thanks, Angela, for reminding us about that. And thank you for your spooky Halloween design that's coming out. I'm so excited. <laughs> so for Human Canine Collaborative updates, I have Sensory Beings Part 2 coming up on Tuesday, September 12th. And um, this episode might actually be coming out after, is it that day? The same yeah, day? I think oh, cool. the same day. Awesome. Yeah. Um, but the Sensory Being series workshops are recorded. So if you don't make it to the live, you can still catch the recording. You can find the link in my bio on Instagram. Um, and I can put the link in the footnotes here. Uh, if you are able to come to part two live, then you will still get access to the recording of part one. And so Sensory Beings is a workshop to introduce the idea of sensory processing in dogs as something that, uh, as like a, an example of neurodiversity in species and also a way that we can understand 
dog behavior and recognize the nuance involved in how dogs are communicating, how they feel, how they experience the world, and um, and have understanding of how hypersensitivity contributes to anxiety and aggressive behavior. And in Sensory Beings Part 2, we're going to talk about uh, ways to evaluate sensory processing in dogs and also sensory-based interventions that can be really helpful, like Leslie McDevitt's pattern games. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. All and right. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> we'll see you on our next episode. Uh, remember that these are our season two. They come out bi-weekly um, every other Tuesday at 3 European time and 9 a.m. Eastern. So set your reminders. Right. Thanks, Angela. Thanks, Sharon. Even though we are licensed professionals in our own field of work, Angela, LCSW, Sharon, OTD, and CDBC, this podcast is not intended to replace individual therapy for humans or behavior support for dogs. We approach our conversations from an exploratory, observational, and strictly personal lens. If you are struggling with your mental health, your dog's behavior, or if you or your dog have experienced a recent traumatic event, please see the resources section on our websites for a list of resources and places that can help. Visit either www.hc-collab.com slash happy dog, happy human, or www.clouddoodles.com slash happy dog, happy human. This podcast is made possible by the collaboration between Cloud Doodles and Human Canine Collaborative. Check out our websites at www.clouddoodles.com or www.hc-collab.com. Special thanks to Tom Fox at Tom Fox Photos for support with editing and production consulting. You can find Tom at tomfoxphotos.com. Also special, special thanks to sound effects and story examples from Duchess and Muggins. We could not and would not ever want to do this without you.